Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. Then she just looked at me and said, you're not very bright, are you? Oh. Turned around in a strop and walked away. And it took, there was a like a time delay. And as she walked away, she was about, I don't know, 50, 60 meters away. And I shouted, no, I'm f***ing brain damaged. There you go then. That's Justin. Now, I've known Justin since around 2010 when I helped him put together a website for his new thing. And his new thing is being an adventurer and an explorer. Now, in this episode, you'll hear all about his life-changing car crash. Uh, He gives us some coping mechanisms for isolation and talks about something called the pillars of resilience. So being an adventurer and an explorer, what does that entail exactly? Well, I'll leave Justin to describe what it is that he does for a living. You know, that's, that's really hard. It's a, it's a con- long conversation. It's very difficult. Uh, I tend to kind of skirt around it at dinner parties. Obviously, I've not had a dinner party for quite a while because of COVID, but uh, I tend to skirt around it to say I kind of work loosely around education. But um, I'm what you might call a professional explorer. So I go off and do expeditions and adventures all over the world through uh, polar regions, mountains, jungles, deserts, rivers, oceans, uh, some urban environments. Um, and that kind of, that's the, the, the backbone of what I do. Uh, off the back of that, I've uh, I've written two internationally best-selling children's books. Um, I work in education all around the world. When I say work in education, all of my time in education is donated, so I don't get paid for it. I believe in education, the power of education. So I work a, a lot with uh, schools in countries and regions with developed education systems, but I also am uh, an, a very active advocate for giving every child everywhere the opportunity to go to school, universal education. Um, which is also covered under the Sustainable Development Goals as uh, SDG4. Um, so that's kind of where I am. For, for a living, I guess, uh, the books I write for various magazines, newspapers, ad hoc. Um, I do a little bit of consultancy work, which is usually around human performance improvement and uh, kind of getting more out of your teams. And, um, and I speak, uh, but obviously not for the last 12 months because all company and corporate events have been cancelled. But uh, mm. but before that, I did a lot of speaking uh, globally, um, which was quite quite an interesting kind of career. Fantastic. Yeah, I was going to touch on the speaking. But um, again, I know this story. Obviously, I know you're of old, but um, this hasn't been the sort of thing you do. I mean, you mentioned just a minute ago, you know, I turned in my, my passion into into my career. But you were you're kind of from the, the corporate world, really, aren't you? Yeah, I had a few years working in corporate environments, mostly sales and marketing, tech-based, which was which was interesting. It kind of certainly set me up with some really good skills to to do what I do now. Kind of having that that kind of what would you call it, like a foundation in business and understanding of it. And but before that, I was into sports and physiology, so. Uh, physiology and sports psychology were, were my kind of key things uh, that I trained for when I left school, college, university, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but but that's gone. What were you going to say? I, I was going to say. I mean, again, I know the story, but I'd love you to tell it. Is that you know what made you go from the corporate world to the guy who literally goes to you know, the the North or the South Pole for a living? <laughs> um, I had uh, I was I was twenty six years old. I had a good career. Uh, and then I had a car crash, um, and it wasn't just, I did it properly. I don't, I don't like pissing about, you know, I did a proper car crash. Uh, I rolled the car six or seven times down the car, carriage way. It was hit by a car doing over a ton as I turned off of an A road. Uh, another car then came up. It was middle of the night. My car was on its side. 
and the other car was an Audi A4 Avant, the second one to hit me, so Audi State. Um, and it plowed into the roof of my car because it didn't work. Obviously, there's no side impact protection in the roof of a car, uh, so it collapsed with me inside it. I ended up uh, brain damaged, unable to walk, talk, think, couldn't do anything for myself at all. Um, and it was when I was going through recovery that I kind of, bear in mind, it was 1999, mate. You know, in 1999, mm. we both lived in Devon. There were four TV channels, and one of them was very flaky. Uh, so sitting in front of television for, for sort of all day wasn't going to be kind of entertaining me for long. So I escaped back into my childhood dreams of roaming over Dartmoor and going out to the, the West Indies. And, you know, when, when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, West Indies and jungles and stuff in Central and South America, and thinking, wouldn't it be great to become a professional explorer, like a cross between Indiana Jones and Randolph Fiennes? Uh, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, do you know what? I can do this. Bearing in mind, I couldn't actually talk or get up, really. Uh, and my wife sort of sat with me, and I kind of said to her, in very, very, very broken language, um, you know, I've got something to tell you, when I recover, not if, when I recover, I'm going to go off and do all these wonderful adventures all over the world. I want to go to the North Pole. I want to do jungles again. I want to do deserts again. And... Uh, and raise money for charity and support education. She looked at me and she smiled ever so sweetly and uh, kind of said, well, maybe when you can get up and go for a piss on your own, we can carry on this conversation, which wasn't the answer I wanted, but it did give mm. me my first goal. Um, so that kind of that kick-started it. And, uh, and I, I mean, initially I'd kind of roll off, off the bed because I couldn't stand up and drag myself across the carpet towards the bathroom. We lived in a bungalow, luckily. Otherwise, the stairs could have been even more challenging. And, uh, and I'd get you know, cuts on my face and carpet burns and whatever uh, and get to the bathroom and then get help. And eventually the drag turned into a, a crawl on hands and knees and occasionally I would fall over. Then with the help of various bits of furniture, I managed to stand up. And once I stood up, then I could start to shuffle. And once I could start to shuffle, I could go for a pee any time I wanted. So, uh, so that was it. And then the doctors initially, um, I kind of, I shunned all medical help, but initially they, they said, you're looking at kind of a five-year protracted recovery uh, at the end of which you could probably go back to work part-time to a sedentary job with low pressure, which didn't kind of fit this dream of being an explorer. So nine months later, uh, nine months after the accident, I did a, a marathon. Um, and then a couple of years later, I did a marathon every week for a year. Uh, and then I was like, oh, whatever. So I've just gone on from there. I've rambled on that. You didn't interrupt once. That was great. It was, it was weird. I'm not used to that. <laughs> what, me interrupting? Yeah, no, I didn't need to because, you know, I love, I have heard that story before and it, it, it gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. And it's very matter of fact for you. But that is, I, was, I wrote the question down, how long was your recovery? You told us it was nine months. And, and you know, the, the brain injury, you know, how, obviously any kind of brain injury is serious, but does it, does it still have an effect to you on you today? Oh yeah, definitely. The it, it's quite difficult to to kind of explain, and uh, and sometimes it takes me to some quite unhappy places. But to kind of gloss over it, a touch the physical recovery came back quite quick, you know. And, and the thing is, with brain injuries, they're invisible, so people don't see it, you know. Um, so uh, I mean, as an example, my my wife at the time dropped me off at, at, on a corner in town. She went to car, park the car to come back and get me. So you know, I was, I was like a little sort of baby put me in a place and I don't move you know where I'm going to be when it comes mm. but some woman came up and started speaking to me and I couldn't talk back to her I knew what she was saying but I couldn't talk back but because I looked normal she carried on having a conversation then she just looked at me and said you're not very bright are you oh. turned around in a strop and walked away and it took there was a like a time delay 
And as she walked away, she was about, I don't know, 50, 60 metres away. And I shouted, no, I'm fucking brain damaged. <laughs> the, 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 like the weirdo with Tourette stood on the street corner. But um, but the, the the emotional recovery, the cognitive recovery, you know, the, the ability to to act, react in different situations, that took a lot longer. And, and it's something I worked on for many years and still do. I still kind of, I still have to think about the way that I'm acting and reacting in different situations. You know, is it, is it what I want to do? Is it what I should do? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to describe, you know, laugh when you should cry and cry when you should laugh, but type of stuff. But, uh, but that's what it was like, but, uh, but I'm still aware of it. I still have hangovers physically and psychologically. Um, I have facial palsy in the right side of my face. I can't feel the left side of my arm, sorry, my left side of my arm, my left arm very well. Um, and, uh, and I have this strange thing where my body doesn't register temperature, uh, particularly heat, particularly well. So I've had a, a couple of nasty incidents in a bath where I've ended up in hospital. Um, but other than that, I'm fine. Other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, it, a lesser man would have given up and like he would have recovered and gone back to that sedentary job. It feels like there's kind of a, a, a military background, but there, it, there's no history of that with you, is there? No, no, just, you just got to kind of make life happen you've got two choices in life Matt you know you you either just accept everything that comes your way or you challenge it and think no I want more uh, and that's 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 it that's all you've got to do and it, I, I don't suppose you when you started out thinking okay I'm gonna go and be this explorer and you know I'm passionate about education did you think uh because you come from that corporate world how am I going to finance all this uh kind of um you know, did a little bit of research, you know, back of a fag packet type stuff, uh, and looked at looked at the likes of, of kind of Rand Fines, I guess, uh, for inspiration, and one one or two others at the time that were going for sponsorship, and then kind of reverse engineered that and thought, okay, how can I make this happen? Um, and you know, there's a lot of guys out there doing stuff like this and do adventures. You know, you, you get quite a lot of people going for sponsorship. It's very much a cutthroat industry. Um, the the way some people do it is they try and find a first or a fastest. You know, I'm going to be the first to do this or do this in the fastest time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Personally, I don't think that's interesting enough. You know, people have been walking to the North Pole for quite a while now, the South Pole, all that kind of stuff. You know, there, there aren't really many firsts. You get quite a few tenuous firsts. Like, I'm going to be the first person to walk to the North Pole in socks and sandals with a biscuit in my left pocket. Okay. <laughs> and, and I, but I don't like that either, you know. It's a bit kind of, you know, I'm going to be the first whatever to do it, first person from my postcode to, to do whatever. Uh, I, I try and do it differently. And when I'm speaking with sponsors, it's about the reach and the engagement and bringing the world to life for people that may not have the opportunity to see it. Um, you know, so, so that's that's kind of where I come from. Who Needs Instructions, the podcast for men who probably do need instructions. In this line of work, then you are probably, I would assume, when we're not in lockdown, away for you know quite lengths at a time. So I'd like to know from you then, because we've we're we're, we're still under lockdown conditions. It's uh, it's late February 2021 as we uh, as we talk today. Yeah. And if you're away, uh, you know, and, and it just so we can compare it. So how, how what kind of coping mechanisms do you have then? Because I mean, you know, you have that brain injury there is there is you know lasting effects from that and you've said it can take you to some quite dark places so have you got any advice for the audience how you cope with those situations uh when i'm away or with lockdown 
I was going to ask about a way, but lockdown is another. Yeah. So, so you know, is there, is it is it a different mechanism for both then? No, it's it's kind of it kind of overlaps. Uh, a lot. Okay. Uh, I run a, a corporate program called the Resilient Mindset, which looks at six pillars of resilience. That's six pillars that if you work on those pillars, it helps you develop a uh, a foundation of resilience, which which can then kind of support you in all aspects of life. Uh, and they are transferable. They're always transferable. Um, so you know, you you try and uh, try and recognize those six pillars and think about them as you move through them um, and make sure that everything's in place. One of them kind of ties in really well with, with what we're talking about here, you know, uh, which is to do with developing a strong social network. Now, mm. developing a strong social network has always happened. When you're in a high-stress situation, uh, military or blue light services, you know, police, fire brigade, ambulance, you're working with people that understand that high-stress situation. So if you have an issue, if you're starting to feel a bit wobbly about seeing blood, guts and gore or whatever, uh, that, that's kind of oversimplifying it, I know. So apologies to anybody. Then, um, then you could you could talk to your clients, you know, or sorry, your colleagues, or yeah. you could get get professional help. Uh, and then you also have family and friends to fall back on. What we've got now is, you know, that thirty years ago, that's that's what all you had. But now we've got social media, so a lot of people turn to social media channels for for um, validation support too. Uh, so when I talk about social network, it's about who you can go to for help. Uh, and I don't mean you know, just dripping every day about how bad life is, but who you could turn to in your network that, that can give you support that you need. But it's 360. And that's the biggest thing that I always point out is it's 360. You need to be aware of the people and looking after the people on your team. Now, on an expedition, we're, we're always watching each other for um, physical signs like stumbling, mumbling and fumbling, which could be an early indicator of a physical issue. You know, um, But then there are other things that we look for. Is somebody uh, laughing more, laughing less? Is their sense of humour gone, light to dark or dark to light? Are they talking about old times or you know, forecasting uh, what the, what life will be like? You know, looking towards the future. And any any changes could signify a mindset issue. And when you're in some of the harshest environments on the planet, mm. a mindset issue can cause major problems. So we have to be aware of that, look out for it, and help each other through it. But everybody can do it. Every one of us can do that. You know, you, you know your friends. You know when things aren't wrong. When a mate phones up and goes or drops you a line and says, hey, mate, how are you doing? It may not necessarily be a question about, hey, mate, how are you doing? It could be, dude, I need a bit of support here. Can you get yeah, back in touch? You know, Absolutely. All those little things that every one of us can recognize if you take the time to do it. Um, and that's important. I remember you put a tweet out a little while ago and it was just like, look, I want to get a group of us together on a call. And uh, for me, that was a little signal that you might have been struggling. So I said, yep, I can find that time. I jumped on it. And in the end, there was, I think there was four people booked on, three of us jumped on. And it was just that little bit of bonding where we we sat on a video call and, and, and talked I mean, there was another complete stranger on there, um, smashing fella. Um, you know, we had a really interesting conversation, but it's that ability to kind of see those signs in your friends or to be that person who reaches out and hopefully, we, you know, when we can get men a bit better educated about this, that, that their friend sees or recognises the sign that actually the guy who's reaching out to me is not asking how I am. He needs the support, doesn't he? Absolutely. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I do that. I have done for... When lockdown once, when lockdown one started a year ago, um, I to, because I lost all my business in in the, the course of four or five days, uh, my entire year of speaking uh, was was gone. Um, the, another book that I had lined up for launch was gone. 
uh, it, you know, it wasn't the right time to, to be doing that, uh, launching a book about outdoor activities in the middle of lockdown. But um, so it's all that kind of change. So I started delivering uh, Resilient Mindset live chats through Instagram Live every morning at 9.30. I'd do half an hour and I'd get anywhere up to, I think the, the, the most live viewers I had was just over 2,000. Wow. And, um, and I'd just chat, you know, and people would ask questions and we'd talk about the six pillars of resilience and what you can do to manage your, you know, your anxiety levels, your, um, you know, your apparently dynamic stresses or your dynamic stresses, the things that make you flare up, working from home suddenly in a cramped environment, that's important. Um, and then I, I thought, you know what, when I'm sat here, sometimes I just want a cup of coffee. I don't, you know, I don't need to engage. I've got plenty of engagement, but people are out there in the same boat as me. They're, they're at home working. They, they don't have a team around them. So I thought, hey, screw it. Let's uh, just see if anybody wants to join me for a quick Zoom coffee. You know, I, you can only do 10. Five or six is a good number. So I normally give it kind of 20 minutes notice or whatever. Put out a post on Twitter. Go, look, I'm having a coffee break at 11 o'clock. Anybody want to join me? Uh, we can have a natter. Job done. And I've got, I'm very lucky that I've got, um, uh, you know, these are my coping mechanisms. I've got a, a great little WhatsApp group. Um, and there's four blokes in that WhatsApp group. And we have, on purpose, made sure that we get together on Zoom maybe once a fortnight. Um, you know, they're all busy guys. They've all got you know families, relationships, so on and so forth to deal with. Um, but making that time for us to get online on a video call. Now, I'm very lucky that I actually share a house with with one of those guys. So, you know, I, I, he's he's in my bubble, if you like, at the moment. And the two of us sit down in my room and we've got the other two guys on video. And the conversation goes from, <clears throat> and I'm lucky because, you know, these guys get it. Um, and it goes from everything from the, the, you know, how have you been feeling today? Actually, I've had a bad day. I reached out, um, you know, I woke up this morning really, really negative and I had a real fog. It goes from everything from that to the complete daft, utter bullshit that gets us through the day where we just take the piss out of each other. Yeah. And I, and, and that's the thing that I want to encourage guys to do more because, it's difficult because you've got to find the people that you can reach out to and feel safe to share your vulnerability with. But when you find those people, my God, is it brilliant. It really is. Yeah, no, it can be. I mean, you hit on something right at the start of that, which which is really important. And again, it's something that, that we encourage through, or I encourage on every expedition team, which is like a policy of brutal honesty. So you said about sitting down, having a conversation, how you feel, you feel crap, you're struggling, whatever. You, you need to develop a, like a policy in your team, if you like, of brutal honesty, mm. where you can do that, you know, where you can feel that you can share uh, how you feel. I mean, on an expedition, we share, you know, are we feeling motivated? Are we feeling uh, demotivated? Are we missing home? And we need to be able to share that because it's important for success of the expedition and for our own safety. But also you need to be able to share whether or not, you know, you, you're somebody in the, in the group, in the team is pissing you off, you know, because it happens. Okay. If you're, for example, if you're up skiing around in the Arctic and uh, for whatever reason you fall over, you know, something's gone wrong, you fall over once, everybody laughs, it's great. When one of those guys is still laughing at you when you've fallen over 30 times in a day, it can wear a bit thin. So you need to be able to turn around and trust the system and the people and say, look, you know, you're really pissing me off. I can't help falling over. The first time I fell over, I've, I've obviously done some damage and that's created a weakness. I'm falling over all the time. I'm getting fed up with it. And what's really pissing me off is you laughing at me more, you know, Mm. and you need to be able to do that because otherwise it grows. But having that safe environment where you can share how you feel 
that's that's important that's valuable you know and when you i don't know about you but when 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 you find that environment when you start to share and other people share with you suddenly it it feels like a a safe place that you can you can go to uh, and you need a bit of support i can't tell you you know to find other guys that fit i think feel and think the way that i do is is so refreshing and that's that's the whole ethos behind who needs instructions is to find is, is to kind of encourage guys that actually we can be a little softer we can we can open up and, and and we can share how we are feeling it's not soft you know it does make you vulnerable but the, these three guys in this group i i respect every single one of them they are all they're all business owners they've all got a lot on their plate um and I suppose I've kind of got a little bit of an inferiority complex, and but I respect these guys, and for them to share their innermost thoughts with me, just it gives me such confidence that I can be vulnerable amongst them as well. Mm. And it's it, you know, these guys who you think on the outside are absolutely kicking ass in the world. You know, they, they run these big companies, they're doing well. They're just like you and me. They're inside. They're, they're beating themselves up. They're getting up. They're going, my God, am I? You know, can I do this today? Um, and you know they have built their own mechanisms to to cope with that. So you can learn from that as well, but also you can share, um, you know, your own coping strategies with them as well. And I just find that so so valuable. Exactly. I mean, you, you touched on something there that I'm a big believer in is that that we are we are all the same, and we can all perform at exceptional levels. You know, extraordinary people can do sorry, ordinary people can do extraordinary things. Mm. Uh, if you if you have the right level of development, the right level of support, you know, and that's what it's all about. You know, people people talk to me, they hear my story, and they think I'm I'm different. I'm no different to anyone else. Anyone in the world can do a version of what I do. I'm not special. Another thing that this is going to be really really unpopular in the outdoor community, but um, but I don't believe in the whole you know explorers are Superman, you know explorers adventures are Superman. I don't believe that anybody can do it. But the right level of training and support and knowledge. Uh, an education you can make it happen you know wow. if i can go from not walking to to, to doing what I do now, <laughs> anybody can do it and, and i'm I, i'm assuming that it is and I, you know you'll agree with me on this it's all about it's in the mind it most of it is in the mind you know the physical body has to have a certain level of you know ability but actually it's your own head that's going to stop you doing stuff yeah yeah I mean, i'm not saying everybody's got to go off and kind of do arctic expeditions but you know every one of us has the 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 capacity to to do more, uh, and I believe that. You no, know, no matter how old you are, no matter what what shape you're in, every one of us has the capacity to to do more. Uh, and why not? You know, I I don't believe in an afterlife. I'm here once, and I and that and I find that I don't want to touch on religion, but I find that quite re- refreshing because I know that everything that I do, I've got to fit in now. I've got one shot. Yeah. You know, so so make the most of it. Who needs instructions? The podcast for men who probably do need instructions. I just want to uh, bring you back to a tweet that I saw you send earlier on. I'm just going to read it out. It says, I discovered that a good friend who I'm not in touch with nearly enough works alone and comes home to an empty house after 14 hours. He's lived like this, surviving since lockdown one. Now, most days, I leave a message on his voicemail for his return home. That, mate, is... uh, I've got goosebumps just reading it out. And it's such a simple thing to do 
but it you know i i think that's in your nature that's second nature for you to do something like that but how important do you think it would be for someone else to, or, or you know do you, do you obviously you're an advocate of that but you know if that's not something of a relationship you have with that person how would you broach that subject to start off with but firstly i just, just want to say that but whenever i put posts out on social media i, I never do the humble brag thing uh, so this tweet that post that you read out wasn't about me saying look how, how brilliant i am because oh, I'm I know. Not, you know, I'm really not, but, and, but I understand it can be seen. What I wanted to, to achieve through that is, and, and you'll see, there's a hashtag at the end: is, is be the friend that you would need, you know, mm-hmm. because all of us need that occasionally. You know, we need that friend. And I felt crap because I, this is a, a lovely guy. We've been on on expeditions together. You know, he's a great guy, and I, we don't get in touch often enough. And suddenly, found out a few weeks ago that. Um, He's an essential worker. He's going out to work five or six days a week, 14 hours a day away from home, coming home to an empty house. And he's done that since we locked down last year. Uh, and I thought, what sort of friend am I to, to kind of just not even know that? You know, so um, so I just started phoning up and I leave a message and say, hey, welcome home. Hope you had a great day. Or sometimes I sing my song that never sound too well. But, uh, but, but it's important. You know, when I say I do it most days, I don't want it to become a habit. You know, for, for either of us, um, mm. I don't want it to become unexpected, but I don't want it to become like a habit for me, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, but but I wanted to know that 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 I've got him. That he's in my thoughts. That you know, he, he's he's and he doesn't realise it, but this guy really is an essential part of my team. You know, life wouldn't be the same without him. And uh, and I think it's important to value the people that you care about. But then equally, I, I, I've done similar with with other people in that I've touched on through social media. Every time, every morning, I do a social media post on one of the channels that, you know, if I can help you in any way, get in touch. You know, a couple of seconds of my time can have a big impact on other people's days. And I'm not saying that because it's my time. A couple of seconds of anybody's time can have a big impact on somebody else. So, you know, positive impact. So why would you not? You know, don't don't be a selfish twat. But you could you spend less more time than that watching adverts between TV programs. (laughs) <laughs> and listen i know for a fact that that's not a humble brag you know that's the kind of person that you are so and i hope other people see that as well and if they don't i'm telling you this is the kind of guy that justin is because uh, but but you know by doing that selfishly and I'm, i say this from my point of view when i do that it makes me feel fucking great as well and that's that's true isn't it but it's kind of great and it i feel great when i when i kind of sing a message on his answer machine and and then he'll kind of send me a message back and say you're the worst singer in the world. That's not something. yeah. Um, or when I tell him a joke, you know, phone up with a joke for the day that I've heard somewhere along the line, and he says no, you'll never be a comedian. But um, but other than that, yeah, it does does feel good. It, I, I normally do it about seven o'clock in the evening when I'm cooking my dinner. I'll be still in the kitchen. I know he's about to to arrive home, so away you go. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do it because I want to feel great. Although the spin off, I guess, is yeah. If I'm entirely honest, yeah, it does make me feel quite good. Yeah, so and again, I wasn't accusing you of that, but you know, if you've never done that before, by reaching out and doing that for someone, which is a lovely, lovely thing to do for them, guess what? It has a beneficial effect on you too. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds a bit, a bit kind of, I don't know, hippified maybe, but I do appreciate so many people in my life. You know, that the people that, that I meet, well, I don't see every day anymore, but the people that I, that I used to see every day, uh, the family, friends. To, to people that interact with, with me on social media. You know, I appreciate their involvement. Uh, and I think it's important to show that. 
Yeah. We're all human, and, and a little thank you goes a long way. And and that's not hippified at all, mate. That should be in our everyday DNA, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I think so. I think I'm going off on a right old rant here, but uh, no, I think so. I, I don't think enough people um, invest time in, in telling people that, that they're appreciated, and and for me, that's important. No, I appreciate everybody in me, everybody that's ever engaged with me in any way. Um, but whether they're, whether they're challenging my opinions, which is also good, I like to be challenged. You know, uh, if when you're challenged on, on anything, it makes you consider consider your own thought processes uh, and whether you're not right or not. Also makes you consider the language you're using, especially on social media stuff, which is you know where we kind of interact a lot. Because if you use the wrong language, then people could get offended, upset, whatever. So it makes you think about the, the way you say stuff. Well, listen, Justin, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I've had half an hour of it. I think that's plenty. Um, we've not even touched on the fact that you have got about 168 dogs in your house. Uh, and I love your love of dogs. Uh, and I think you've even created your own separate uh, Instagram account for the dogs, haven't you, these days? Yeah, I've done, I've done a separate one for the dogs. All my dogs and me. It's kind of, it's it's leading towards, okay, you're, you're the first to hear this, but I'm, I'm actually right in the process of writing a book, All My Dogs and Me. So, that um, that Instagram is kind of leading towards that, and, uh, and come come through it. It's it, it's not a story about me. I've been asked a few times to write a biography, um, uh, and 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 I can't do it because because there's, there there are things that I've done and there are aspects of my life that I would rather not discuss. But um, but if you take out that aspect, it becomes too weighted on the good stuff, which gives a skewed vision and not authentic. Whereas all my dogs and me will be a book. About about my dogs with elements of me in it excellent how many dogs have you got uh i've now got three we lost a couple last year i lost charlie and digit my, my beautiful older pair that you met down in devon mm-hmm. um, so we we've now got a husky a labrador and a cocker um, and when we move i will be picking up a new dog a belgian malinois um and a what sorry belgian malinois look it up on youtube they're awesome dogs um the the some of the police and the armed forces use them as protection dogs. Uh, mine would be trained as a tracking dog so that I can then go out and, uh, and help find missing people. Superb. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about, but like I say, I think I've taken up enough of your time. Justin, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, phone me up? No. Uh, if they want to get in touch, <laughs> uh, go onto my website, uh, justforthechallenge.com or uh, any social media channel, which is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I'm at Explorer Just, all one word. You friend of a star, thank you very much for your time. I love you, buddy, and uh, I hope to see you face to face very soon. Hopefully, mate. Hopefully, it won't be too long. Sometime late this year, I'll be back in Devon. As soon as all of this lifts and we can do properly, then, uh, then yeah, I'd love to get up and stroll over Dartmoor once again. There you go, then. That was Justin Miles. Uh, go and give him a follow on his social media channels. He's very, very active, uh, always there, and brilliantly engaging as well. So if you've got any questions for him, uh, absolutely go and do that. Now, I have one last favour before you go. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, could you please give us a rating? Uh, I believe it helps. Uh, we need to get found. We need to get more people, more men listening to this podcast. That is my goal, ultimately. And you can help us along that way by giving us a rating, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, 
Google, whichever platform, please go and give us a review. And of course, tell your mates about it as well. If you think this will be useful, something else that they would enjoy listening to, uh, then do that. And of course, pop over to our website, which is whoneedsinstructions.com. You can sign up to my weekly newsletter there as well, which I hope you find useful. And we are all over social media as well. So come and give us a follow. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week with another brilliant guest. Who Needs Instructions? The podcast for men who probably do need instructions. Instructions.